There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Why is this special necessary? That's the key question that trumps all of the others. If I can't answer it satisfactorily, I may as well pack up my things now and stop before I even begin. This special is necessary because I'm about to cover an era in depth whose importance has mostly been forgotten. What I mean by that is, people know of Victoria, they know of her dying, her era ending, British deals with France, a few crises, the Anglo-German naval race, the outbreak of the First World War, and maybe some Balkan wars before that, but the history from 1897 to 1914 is so much more. Within those 17 years are stories, anecdotes, and facts that will really draw you in even deeper to an era you thought you knew. Pre-war Britain was a fascinating place for a whole number of reasons. Now I want to show you this by capturing all of it. The far-flung power of its empire, the force and impression of its diplomacy, the security fears it held, its ambitions, its plans, its political divides and problems, its social and ideological demographics, its parties, pariahs, prophets and place in the world. We all know that the story of the First World War breaking out is a fascinating one in and of itself. Hopefully you'll remember the story I tried to tell in my July Crisis Anniversary project over a year ago. But what I want you guys to appreciate now is that everything that happened before those events took place was an equally fascinating time, deserving of your attention. The era really is one of immense historical importance. Politically, Britain was undergoing immense change at home as well, as the legacies of its political parties were being felt just as a newly enfranchised Labour Party was emerging on the political scene. Its empire continued to expand in South Africa during the Boer War. Its rule continued to be resented in Ireland as the home rule crisis there raged on. And as some of Britain's most important statesmen cut their teeth in early military and political ventures. We should also remember that Britain was the greatest power in the world, bar none, in the early 20th century. Hers was a power unmatched by any at the time. 
Her white dominions offered hope for future emigration, immigration, and support. Her African colonies offered opportunities for wealth and the improvement of those natives that came under its flag. India remained its jewel while its influence was continually on the rise in China and Persia. Her fleet and flag was spread in coaling stations, major and minor, throughout the world, while her jurisdiction over key waterways ensured the constant flow of trade. It is difficult, as you can see, to not get carried away when denoting everything Britain possessed in 1897. It seemed like a list of achievements that never stopped growing. I really don't feel like all of this has been appreciated, unless I'm missing a key text or work of some historian, because as far as I can see, nobody has really analysed the world from Britain's eyes from 1897 to the cataclysm of 1914. And if they have, they certainly haven't done it through a podcast format. So that's why I'm doing this. But even then, that's not the whole story. If you listen to my dissertation miniseries, you'll know that I looked at the importance of the Code of Honour, and that that really brought me closer to understanding and appreciating the psyche of those men that made the decisions in 1914. I wanted to replicate that here, and I want you all to experience it too. I feel like if you can appreciate the struggles, fears, and ambitions of the statesmen in this period, in time, then you'll become more attached and interested in the actual story that I tried to tell. If you try to see the world through their eyes, then you'll be able to love it, loathe it, and wish to tame it as they did. That's my theory, anyway. There is an additional, more selfish reason why I'm doing this, and it ties in with the dissertation. While I was researching it, I uncovered a load of really good quality stuff that I felt deserved to be heard. Of course, because I was hemmed into a word limit, I had to be pretty brutal with the editing, so I ended up cutting out a load of good stuff. Now, because I've no word limit and... I am my own boss, I had the opportunity to inject all of this quality goodness into the project, and I couldn't be more excited. So what are my aims? The first is to get you more interested in the era, so that you feel for the characters and can better understand their struggles. The second is to actually rebuild this era in your minds, so that you understand the genesis of its issues and problems from a contextual standpoint. The third is closer to my heart. I want you all to be able to experience Britain's political and diplomatic crises from 1897 to 1914, as the British statesman himself experienced them. This means we won't be giving much attention to other states unless I feel it's necessary for background info, but that instead the British Empire will be our lead protagonist. Fourth, I want to give you a fresh interpretation of why Britain went to war in August 1914. Since I have heard and read many accounts of that event since the July Crisis Project, and I feel like taking a fresh look at it through the eyes of just one of the powers involved, is not just justified, but necessary. Fifth, in doing so, I want to show what might have been, and this feeds into the layout of the project that I'll explain in a minute, but I want to demonstrate that Britain's entry into the war was neither necessary or beneficial to the British, and that other avenues they could have taken may have landed their empire in a far better position for the rest of the century. The real lengths of what I'm going to do here will become clear once you see for yourself how in-depth I really plan on going, but I think it's possible here to establish a rough guide so that you know what to expect. This special will be entitled Britain Goes to War, or BGTW as sometimes I will shorten it to. It'll be divided into ten distinct sections. The first is the introductory stage, 
which you're in now, where I basically explain what the plan is for this special, and where I set the scene and justify the whole project. The second section is the background, and this will undoubtedly take up most of my time. This is the portion of the special where I basically tell the story of Britain from 1897 to uh, June 1914 or so. Expect a lot of backtracking even in terms of the years before 1897, though it is from 1897 that I'll really be focusing on the most intently. The third section will be entitled The Distant Crisis, and will examine Britain's experience of the July Crisis from the end of June right up to the point of the 1st of August 1914. This is because each of the important four days at the beginning of August will have its own section, just to reflect how in-depth we're really going to go here. So the 1st, 2nd, 3rd and 4th of August will all be their own sections, leading us to section 8, which will examine Britain at war and beyond, as I call it, where I'll examine a few anecdotes and important aspects of the war, before our analysis is basically concluded. But that's not all, because section 9 will examine something that I always wanted to look at, the alternative histories involving Britain and the First World War. As of yet, I have numerous plans and ideas for this, but if anyone would like to offer any suggestions, please feel free to do so through the usual channels, the email address, wdfpodcast.hotmail.com or the Facebook page. Hopefully with your help, I'll be able to explore the alternative possibilities that you've always wanted covered. A few examples I have already are, what if Britain stayed out, what if Britain entered later, what if Britain allied with Germany in early 1900, and what if Franz Ferdinand was never assassinated. Those are some ideas I plan on exploring, but if you think you have a unique idea or even a fresh perspective, then please send me your thoughts in an email, preferably with a logical beginning, middle and end that I can cover and debate within the episode. Another thing, please use the subject title Alternative History so that I know to look at your email first. Obviously, if this works out well, it could be pretty darn cool. So finally, section 10 will cover the conclusion, where I'll summarise my main findings and recommendations, basically bringing us to a satisfying end. With luck. It should be added that I very nearly didn't do this. Back in March, I had the idea of revisiting the July Crisis Project by providing my dissertation and a four- or five-part miniseries on my major findings. But the more I worked and researched, the more I rediscovered how interested I still was, and the more that this happened, the more I wondered, why don't I just do the podcast series I've always wanted to do? I cannot be the only one who wants to hear the story. A year ago, when I took this project on in a different format and began the July Crisis Project, I asked for your faith in me and support as I created what was basically my podcast thesis. Now I ask you for the same, except that this time I hope to create my podcast book. I hope that, like many of you said you were following the old project, you'll be pleasantly surprised upon finishing this one. I completely understand that many of you might be thinking right now that I've squeezed every drop of podcast I can out of 1914 and the era beforehand, and that to continue to revisit it after all I've done is a big waste of time. Some of you may even be thinking, where's that Louis XIV special you promised me like a year ago? To you guys, I hope you'll stay with me, because this isn't just the story about Britain and the First World War. A great portion of it, perhaps more than half, is about how it gets there in the first place. To answer that question, we have to go back a little bit, but I assure you this is an exercise in backtracking you won't regret. 
already I know of numerous stories and events that are sure to keep you interested. This is essentially a window into a critical point in the early 20th century, seen from the perspective of the greatest power of the era. It won't be a rehashing of an old story I've done before, and it won't be stale or boring. It'll involve tons of new stories, as well as a revisiting of other wars like the Boer War, the Russo-Japanese War, and the Balkan Wars, which will be told with a better focus and through brand new eyes. Since many of those wars were some of my earliest, and thus lack the professionalism and experience I now wield, don't laugh, that's a promise I'm excited to keep. Such focus and commitment and the fact that I'll have to put my regular programming on hold surely begs the question, why don't I just start a new podcast with this idea of mine? Everyone seems to be doing that nowadays. For a while I thought of that. Then I remembered the whole issues with RSS feeds, not to mention having to market this new series out to you guys and follow its individual downloads. As well as all that, the time I'd have to spend on BGTW would mean that WDF was put on hold. So I decided to compromise. Britain Goes to War is certainly not when diplomacy fails in a number of ways. It will focus on domestic politics, don't worry, it won't be that bad. It has a clear narrative structure that lasts roughly 17 years, but it will feel like less or longer, depending on which you prefer. It won't be looking at just one war at a time, and it is far more multi-layered than anything else I've ever done before. However, Britain Goes to War is also when diplomacy fails in a number of ways. For one, it seeks the ultimate answer by asking why. Why did Britain go to war in 1914? That's the ultimate aim of this whole project, since that's what it's named after. And what kind of circumstances compelled it to do so? Why did it not go to war sooner? What diplomatic negotiations did it conduct to maintain peace? What did its world in 1914 and beforehand really look like? All of these are questions that appear in minor episodes throughout the tenure of When Diplomacy Fails. Britain Goes to War is merely an extended, stretched-out version of the When Diplomacy Fails formula. In other words, anyone that loves the way When Diplomacy Fails approaches wars and operates will love Britain Goes to War. And because of that, among the fear of other technical headaches, I decided that the two should be one. It does mean that our regular schedule will be on hold, realistically for the better part of a year if everything goes to plan. I am sorry if that's not something you're happy with, but sometimes when you have a picture of what you want to do in your head, you know you won't be able to please everyone, even though you know that the end result will be worth it. Britain Goes to War is not Louis Fourteenth. it's not a centenary special on the Easter Rising in Ireland like I've been forever planning to do, but I promise that it will be good enough, it will be interesting and fun enough to keep you distracted from those facts. Taken alone, it should be everything that I ever wanted to make in a podcast special, So yes, I'm thinking big. For years I was held back because of other commitments, but now I'm ready to take the project on. And what a project it's going to be. You may be wondering about that introduction music. Similar to the way in which the July Crisis project had its own opening sound, so too does Britain Goes to War. That music is the work of Edward Elgar, a famous British composer right at the turn of the century. His works became still more famous when he died, as is customary for any artist it seems, but during the period when his star was on the rise, from 1900 to 1905 or so, his works were the talk of the music town. From 1898 to 1899, he set about composing what became known as his Enigma Variations, 
and cutely enough, named each of the 14 tracks after one of his friends. The first theme, which we have borrowed for our introduction music, is replicated in the other 14 tracks, and they are dedicated to My Friends Pictured Within, as Edward put it. Each of the 14 tracks consisted of a friend's initials, and the pace and style of each of the compositions is said to represent the friend it is named after, as well as being dedicated to them. It kind of makes me wonder what I would sound like if someone depicted me within a piece of music like this, but the reason why Edward Elgar stood out for me is because of his place in British history. His works were being listened to throughout the pre-war period, since his Enigma variations were first played to a British audience in June 1899. I hope you'll appreciate the musical appropriateness of it all, because, because Elgar's works may make regular appearances for a dramatic effect throughout the special. Speaking of sources, you may be wondering where I'm going to get all of the materials I need for this. That's a good question. I can always tell whether I like a book from its referencing, but since I can't really do that here, I think bibliographies will have to be the best I can do. I'll be using some materials from the British Library's website. These are free to download and are a lot of fun to analyse yourself, if you're as nerdy as I am. But I'll also be looking at speeches books, correspondence, academic articles, and newspapers that you may not have access to, so when I do quote or denote a source in my bibliographies, I'll try to be as descriptive as I can so that you can find the right source if you're so inclined. If you're simply willing to trust me either way, you naive imbecile you, then you should notice a more academic clout to this special than other works I've done before. It doesn't mean I'll be quoting more often, if anything I'll be quoting less, but it does mean that more efforts to support my work have been made in the background, even if you can't see it, and more use of primary sources will be made whenever possible. Expect more dramatic speeches you won't have heard before, especially when we get to a closer examination of the early days of August 1914, and the House of Commons really lights up. So, one thing I remember wondering when beginning the July Crisis Project was, does it matter that I don't know where I'll end up with this? Because I didn't know where the project was going to end, I didn't think I was entitled to begin, since I might have led my listeners astray. Thankfully, it went off without a hitch, and that success compelled me to tackle this, despite not knowing completely what my conclusions were going to be. Granted, this time I have a far better understanding and grasp of the era than I did before, and I'd like to think that, having just done a award-winning Masters on the whole thing, I'm certainly qualified to take you on this journey. But still... Even though I know where most of my conclusions will end up, I may surprise myself along the way, so I hope you're ready for a bit of that. What will the schedule look like is another major question. Well, to put it simply, a new episode will be released every Monday. Since I don't like Mondays, and I'm sure you don't either, but at least now they'll be a little sweeter. It should be ready very early Monday morning, if everything goes according to plan, so for your Monday morning commute or whatever else you do on a Monday morning, or afternoon or evening, it should be well ready. Expect each episode to be the guts of half an hour, simply because each one deals with a specific theme or topic most of the time. Earlier I mentioned that this special will be split into ten sections. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, with each section having an important role to play. But within each of those sections will also be separate parts. As you've seen already, these are denoted by A and B and so on until we run out of letters. 
And if you think I'm joking, wait until the next section. It will literally be an examination of the pre-war British world from A to Z. Within these parts will occur individual chapters to signify that I couldn't deal with a single theme in one episode, which I will basically never be able to. For example, an episode on the Boer War, Part C, already contains numerous chapters numbering from 1, or I in Roman numerals, to at least Part 10, X. I don't want to say any more in case I spoil any surprises, but yes, that's the level of detail you'll be dealing with here. I don't want to release an actual schedule plan showing an A to Z of the episodes to be released in Section 2 yet, but I will have a simple plan available showing all of the 10 sections and what you should expect. As usual, check the blog for more information, wdfpodcast.blogspot.ie. Speaking of blog, the blog will be your resource of photos, further info, and more once the episode is available. It won't always be ready as soon as the beginning of a new part is available, but suffice to say as soon as the post is ready for viewing, I'll let you know through the Facebook page. See how important all of BFIT's contingent parts are? I would really encourage you to keep pace with it. I think you may get the most out of this project if you follow the story on a weekly basis, but then again, that's fairly hypocritical of me considering the fact that I like to hoard podcasts and then listen to them in a bunch. Another thing I would encourage you to do is spread the word. When Diplomacy Fails is about to embark on something very exciting, and the more interest and support Zach has, the better for everyone. I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, but if you happen to have a few monies just lying around somewhere, I would really appreciate the support. This project, as well as everything else podcasting seems to involve, requires money. I'm not saying that to make you feel bad, but just so you know, it might come free to you guys, the listeners, and frankly I'm glad it does, and once again I promise never to charge for this podcast, it is hard enough finding the old episodes on iTunes after all, but for the podcaster it often costs a bomb. You're worth every penny slash cent slash lira slash what have you, just as surely as I know that this special will be worth your time. One final note for you out there if you're still thirsting for history. Soon enough, a few of us, more enterprising history podcasters, will be banding together and creating a new exciting platform where we can launch brand new collaborative content and help each other grow. It is separate from the other History Podcasters podcast feed, though you should definitely support that as well, in that we plan to be more regular and consistent with our programming. We have our own mission statement. All being well, it should be launching on the 5th of October, 2015, which is this Monday if you're listening to this on the day that it's released, you loyal podcasting fan you. As of yet, we haven't settled on a final name for the project, although we kind of have, but that's another story. Keep an eye on the Facebook page, the Facebook group, History Podcasts, as well as other mediums to find out more details on the project, but rest assured, something pretty big is on the way, and it's very, very exciting for all of us small-time history podcasters who really depend on getting the word out there and relying on each other for help. It is an exciting time to be a history podcasting fan, hopefully you grasped that so far, just as sure as it's a great time to be a fan of When Diplomacy Fails. If you're just joining us now, if you've been with us since May 2012, hello Swedish listeners, or if you joined somewhere along the way, looking at you dad, then thank you for listening, and I hope you'll share in my enthusiasm and excitement. As when diplomacy fails, Don's, it's investigative... 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Up and tries to find out what happens when Britain goes to war. Thanks and see you soon. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.